Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. Uh, and on the turntables this time, we've got one of our lovely special editions. Yes, you don't normally work Saturdays, do you? No, I try not to. I'm normally Saturday opt-out. Yes. But here we are. It's Saturday, the 3rd of August, and it's a big birthday. Quite recently, we celebrated your Big Five O. No, it wasn't your Big Five O, was it? It was No, for the final time, it was our Big Five O. Our 50th episode. And today, we're celebrating 50 years of the official charts company. And who can believe they've been around for so long? Uh, previously known as CIN, Chart Information Network, and the official UK charts company, um, I think we both, uh, this is a love letter to the charts, we're doing this today, because I think we both grew up uh, with our sweaty fingers on our play and record button, <laughs> all ready to go when we're listening to the charts for our favourite records. And I'm sure PRS would love to hear that from us. <laughs> uh, obviously things have changed, things are very different now, but the official charts company still is there. Um, so we wanted to do something to mark the occasion. Absolutely, yeah. So, we are going to be, in this episode, counting down the top 10 best-selling albums. Uh, in the UK, of course. And that's lovely, because that's the kind of uh, collaboration of the track-by-track format and the official charts company. And we'll be doing it in the style of a chart countdown. Yes, we will. So, one might consider this as a audition for us for the chart show. Yeah, is, is, is Dr. Fox retiring? No, but um, Mark Goodyear is. Oh, such a shame. I'm sure I'll get plenty more work for the uh, Now That's What I Call Music adverts. He actually uh, is the founder of a very successful uh, music company. Is he? Wise Buddha. Oh, yeah. not heard of it. Um, and I think he made or had made a lot of money from publishing compilation albums. Oh, well, good for him. Yeah, good for him. Um, and, you know, he was a big player in the charts business back in my day. So I was always BBC Radio 1. Yes, you, you had your local one, didn't you? For, which for me was Hallam FM. I think it was sort of a... Affiliate, a, a sort of a kind of piped in from like London yes. with Dr Fox, the Pepsi chart or whatever Exactly, it was. Yeah. yeah. And that seemed to be based not just on sales but on other things as well because sometimes it was the same, wasn't <laughs> it? Sometimes, and sometimes it was a few variations in there. But the official charts company went to the BBC and on a Sunday night you got to find out what the top 40 was. Um, to see where your favourite song was. I love the idea about going out during the week, buying a single and feeling like you were contributing to the success of the band you loved. I mean, I guess for you and I, this was the equivalent of being excited about uh, the football scores or something like that, mm. which you know we couldn't give a shit about really, could we? Couldn't give a flying f- a fig. Yes, exactly. So, but I can give a fig about music and the charts. And I couldn't tell you the last time now that I was aware of who was number one in the charts. Every now and then I glance at the iTunes chart just to keep my finger on the pulse. <laughs> And yeah, likewise, and I think, and you are going to click me around the ear hole for saying this again, but I do think the charts are a very different time and place right now. It's based on uh, downloads, it's based on streams, it's based on YouTube views, it's not all about going out on Monday morning. Dr Fox and Mark Goodyear flying over to the official charts party, which we sadly weren't invited to. Um, Well, I don't know if Dr Fox would be able to, but... Oh, busy man. Well, he's had better times. But it used to be 
on a Monday, that's when the new releases came out, and on a Sunday, that's when they were counted. Now, of course, it's Friday and Friday. Yes, and New Music Friday is now the thing, isn't it? Yes, and of course, if you are... If you found this via trash, uh, then you every Friday you'll know that we have a new music blag mixtape with lots of new stuff on there, which hopefully will find its way up to the upper reaches of the charts. And which we all all add to, actually. So it's a lovely uh, collaborative piece. Some weeks it's more collaborative than others. Absolutely. So, Dan, what's our source for our countdown today? Need you ask, Will, we are going from the official charts company uh, listing of the best-selling albums of all time in the UK, of course. And to be specific, uh, this is from a article by Rob Copsey, uh, and we'll put the uh, we'll put his Twitter handle in the uh, in the uh, website uh, the post uh, on the on release day. So, should we get stuck in then? In at number ten, we have got. We've got the first appearance in our rundown today, but maybe not the last from Queen. And number 10 is their Greatest Hits uh, Part 2. And this is, I guess when you look through this, it is a... Every song is like, every song is a, is a, is a, is a hit, every song is known. And what, we want, what we're going to do is play a short clip from a choice track from each album. And where would you start on here, Dan? Well, there is, as you said, there's a hit after hit. And what's great about this is that I think sometimes you see a band released a second greatest hits and it, the quality is just nowhere near as good as the first one. But with this, you've got uh, some absolute fantastic songs on there. So you have a kind of magic, Radio Gaga, I Want to Break Free, uh, some fantastic ballads, actually, which I'm sure you'd have loved to talk about the artwork, uh, Who Wants to Live Forever. The Show Must Go On. The Show Must Go On. I, I genuinely love those two songs so much. But we have gone with... Uh, a duet actually so this is Queen alongside David Bowie and this is well let's do the honours Under Pressure So what a, I mean that song is just when when two worlds collide, isn't it? Absolutely, and this is oh well, just we were singing along actually. Yeah. But the big question was who was uh, Freddie and who was David? I do actually. This is one of my, I talked before about the my shower songs, and this is one of my shower songs. But I always just do the part of uh, David Berry and leave Freddie to his own devices, um, and left to his own devices. He probably would. <laughs> there's no uh, spoiler. There's no petrol boys in this top ten, so Will's having to squeeze them in anywhere he can. <laughs> so in at number nine. Oh, can I say one more thing? Oh, about yeah, this? So, yeah. so before we move on from this one, I just want to say actually, it's a bit of a on a bit of a, uh, a sadder subject. This album was actually released just a few weeks before Freddie Mercury's death, which I think makes it its release even more uh, poignant. Uh, but there are some. You know, what it does do is just celebrate his life and celebrate his work. So, uh, let's move on to number nine. Will, what is it? It is Bad by Michael Jackson. And I say what you like about Michael Jackson and what he did or didn't do. Okay, then I will do. 
I guess not for us to comment on any of that, but he did release some cracking music. Oh, the, the man was a genius. He really was. And um, so Bad was uh, a collaboration with Michael Jackson and Quincy Jones, who they worked together with over a few of their albums. And for me, the most outstanding thing about this album is the amount of singles released from it. So you have I Just Can't Stop Loving You, Bad, The Way You Make Me Feel, Man in the Mirror, Dirty Diana, Smooth Criminal, and even more than that. Uh, 13 times platinum in the UK, selling over 4 million copies. Uh, This was a massive album in 1987. Uh, The track we have gone for, it's the title track of the album. We had to. It's back. So that was bad. Dan, probably one of the most well-known songs in the world. Absolutely, but I think you could say that about a lot of Michael Jackson songs, couldn't you? You've got uh, Thriller, you've got Earth Song, you've got The Way You Make Me Feel. There are so many Michael Jackson songs that are just you know, worldwide known. And if you think about the person, that that the way he, you know, the way he looked played a big part in it as well, but just... Can you imagine if you, if you bumped into, let's say, your one of your musical idols, Neil Tennant, in the street, you probably would feel that you could approach him for a conversation. If you bumped into Michael Jackson in the street before he died, of course, you know he wasn't. He was more of an enigma than a man, wasn't he? And you probably wouldn't see him in the street. And if he would, he'd be wearing some ridiculously uh, covered garment. Yes, absolutely. But um, yep, yeah, it's. It's a fantastic album, and also worth pointing out, I think we might hear from Michael again, actually, on this rundown. Maybe. So, in at number eight, it's Dire Straits with Brothers in Arms. Now, I never thought we'd be talking about Dire Straits on this podcast. And My dad would be very happy. <laughs> really? Is he a fan? Yeah. And it's uh, also not the first time we're going to use that phrase, I never thought we'd be talking about them in the podcast. <laughs> or, my dad would be very happy. Yeah. Uh, so this was uh, a massive album for Dietrich. It's in 1985 when it first came out. And it spent 14 weeks at number one on the UK album charts on the trot. I mean, that's massive, isn't it? Mm. The thing that strikes me the most about this one, and it actually might be not the first time we say this about this top ten, is that obviously Dire Straits are a huge, huge, huge band. And the fact that they have the seventh best-selling album on the British charts is a massive deal. But... I imagine there are a lot of people, and probably a lot of people who like Track by Track, who couldn't even hum a Dire Straits song. But actually, when you look at the track listing for this, there are a few tracks we could have chosen. Uh, Walk of Life. No, I don't know it. Um, Brothers in Arms. Nope, don't know it. So Far Away. Nope. Maybe it is the influence of my dad that I know these songs, because I can't say I've listened to them over the last 20 plus years. The only songs of theirs I know are uh, Romeo and Juliet and the song that I think we're going to play now. Uh, So the track we're going to play from this is another collaboration. Really? Uh, Money for Nothing. And who's it with? Uh, With Sting. Oh, great stuff. Let's hear a little bit of it.
That guitar is iconic from that track. Yeah, it really is. I think that is, as I say, not everyone would knowingly be able to hum a dive Knowingly. <laughs> but I imagine a lot of people would have just heard that somewhere on Radio 2 or in the dad's car or on a film or something like that. I love as well how generous Sting is with um, working with other artists. If it's not Dire Straits, it's it just done that album with Shaggy quite recently. And of course, there are a couple of duets a few years ago with uh, Craig David and Sugar Babes. <coughs> uh, interesting fact about this song and Dire Straits. This was the first video to be aired on MTV Europe when it launched in 1987. Wow. It is an iconic video, isn't it? Mm. It's up there with... Um, Sledgehammer by yes. Peter Gabriel and, and Take On Me Take On Me by, by Aha yes Aha Aha moving on so number seven it's The Dark Side of the Moon by Pink Floyd this is exactly what I meant by an artist that I didn't think would cover so this was uh, uh, from way back in 1973 in the eighth album released Recorded in the famous, world-famous Abbey Road Studios. Dan, have you ever had your photo taken on the zebra crossing? Absolutely. When I came to London to visit, probably 10 or 12 years ago I had it. But now I live about a kilometre away from there. So I can pop down anytime I want and go across the zebra crossing. Although, interestingly, the crossing where people have their photo taken, this sounds like a real sort of Nigel fact, uh, is not that zebra crossing. And I have to just, I know we haven't done it for all the tracks, but just just to show how amazingly popular this album was, almost every review that was still recorded was five out of five. Now, what's really interesting about this album, compared to the rest, is that, and it sounds so bizarre saying it, this album didn't get to number one. It peaked at number two. Really? Yeah. So this was released in March 1973. And since then, it's gone 14 times platinum. It sold... So that beat Michael's Jackson's 13 times platinum. Yes. Uh, well, of course it did. Otherwise, it would be not ahead of it in the chart, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how this works? <laughs> I failed my audition for the charts. Sadly, yes. Um, yeah, sold over, uh, over f- almost four and a half million copies. Let's have a wee listen now to a track from the album. This is The Money. Money there. This was Pink Floyd's first hit in America. Really? Mm. When you hear a Pink Floyd, what's the one song that comes into your head? The Dark Side of the Moon. Really? Or Comfortably Numb. Comfortably Numb would be one of my... My number one would be Another Brick in the Wall. Yes. Yes. Unfortunately, we can't talk about it because it wasn't this album. Oh, nothing to say. Strictly prohibited. No further listening today. So don't get any uh, mad ideas in your head. My So Pink Floyd are a band that obviously I know of because everyone knows of Pink Floyd or I think a lot of people know of Pink Floyd. The thing that really resonates with me was is um, how they got back together for Live 8 and what you could tell. Obviously Live 8 was a huge event, probably the biggest 
musical event in the world um, after Live Aid. And the fact that Pink Floyd had got back together for this gig really was a huge thing. Do you remember this, the buzz around that? Yeah, huge. And it was... Such a big deal. It was the only time that um, Waters, Gilmore, Mason and Wright performed together for uh, the first time in more than 24 years and they haven't done it again since. And, and uh, due to deaths and other things, they won't be doing it again. We're up to number six now and Michael Jackson is back with Thriller. And I have to say, this is a great time to look at the fantastic artwork because... It this is. it is yeah this uh, the pose Michael Jackson is doing it I immediately think about David Brent oh of course yeah. yes and the white suit the, yeah the outfit everything yeah iconic album cover but again second appearance for Michael and just look at the track listing on here again Dan well not only a fantastic track listing but seven. Singles from this album The Girl Is Mine, Billie Jean, Beat It, Wanna Be Starting Something, Human Nature, PYT, and Thriller. Um, and again, once again, produced by Quincy Jones. This is just, uh, this is ridiculously good quality, this album. So, this album, obviously, bettered bad. I've learnt my mistake from the <laughs> previous comment. Uh, it sold 4.2 million copies in the UK. And this was released uh, in November. 1982 and almost across the board five star album Dan what track are we going to dip into well as with bad we're going to go for the title track because it is just a fantastic song so this is Thriller and you start to Again, the video is something that always comes to mind when you think about Thriller. Yeah, and just thinking about actually uh, the Dire Straits uh, video being played on MTV. This was, of course, MTV's uh, peak. So Thriller, as alongside tracks like Billie Jean, would have been being played. Would have been being played. Wonderful English there. Thank you. Was it actually correct? Would have been being played. Yeah, um, on MTV at the time. And of course, what? Halloween playlist would be complete without Thriller. I've definitely been to a Halloween party at yours um, and heard this song. Multiple times. I think, but you always serve up the most potent punch. Uh, What's your secret? Um, Terps. (laughs) (laughs) So let's go on to five. Another band that I don't think we'd ever talk about, but they are a huge British band. This is... Um, Oasis with What's the Story, Morning Glory. This was a the big follow-up, wasn't it, to... Um... Definitely, maybe. So there was a lot of eyes on this. This was 1995. So this was Britpop was at its peak. Yeah. This was a huge album. Iconic album cover. Yeah, it really is. Um, well, actually, their first three albums have all got really great covers, haven't they? Um, after that it all gets a bit well I think as with the music it becomes a bit not as iconic Um, but yeah this was a a huge album and a lot of these songs really have stood the test of time so unlike for example and not to dismiss them Pink Floyd or Die Straits where you know huge selling albums but does everyone know all the songs probably not 
here you've got Champagne Supernova, Don't Look Back in Anger, Wonderwall, Roll With It. Uh, it's almost as Some might say hits. She's Electric. I, I know almost all the tracks on there, and I'm not a huge Oasis fan. No, and I think, you know, a lot of people talk about if Oasis got back together and how, how amazing it would be. And to be honest, I, you know, I might, if, if I was at Glastonbury and they were there, I might go along and see it, but it wouldn't really... I've never thought a great deal about them. I thought they were quite good. You know, a lot of people call them a, a Beatles tribute band. Oh, I think that's harsh. It's very harsh. Now, say what you like about the Gallagher brothers, but they had an ear for brilliant um, guitar-driven pop songs. Yes. Let's hear one of them. Um, and I think we just had to go with probably the most iconic, Don't Look Back in Anger. That song is still sung by hordes of lads in their hundreds of thousands, isn't it? And I could sing along to that song, again, not having had a real love and passion for Oasis. It's just so uh, ubiquitous with kind of British culture now, from particularly from the 90s. Definitely. But I think it is. It's not, you know, it's not my favourite genre, but it's a fantastic, a fantastically crafted song. Sold 5.1 million copies and was the UK's best-selling album of the 1990s. Wow. That, I mean, that in itself is... Best-selling studio album? Or best-selling album? Best-selling album. Wow. And was probably the pinnacle and the peak of Oasis's success. So, on to number four now. And this one is the most recent entry, actually, by a whopping... 15, 16 years, something like that. This is Adele's 21. Adele, what to say about Adele? Isn't she amazing? As a person, as a performer, I love her attitude, her approach to fame, her approach to music. Uh, I really hope we get some new music soon. This this is the thing with it. I, I, I do like Adele. My favourite thing about Adele is her personality. I would love nothing more then to go out on a night on a lash with her, I think she'd be hilarious. Um, but she is a fantastic singer. She is a fantastic songwriter. I think we're both in agreement that it's not 100% our chosen genre. And actually, when she headlined Glastonbury, you and I didn't go and see her. We went to see New Order instead. But I have seen her since. She's a great performer. And yeah, it's just testament to her that this is the most recent entry on here by a long shot. And it's At, gone um, 17 times platinum. Oh, bloody hell. We know somebody who's a huge Adele fan. We do. Uh, so much so, he actually dressed up as her for a Halloween party, I yes, think it was. It was, yeah. Enough. Where Thriller was probably playing. Yeah, at the time. I, I did a bang-up job, actually. Mm, a great costume. That wig was everything. Mm, wigless. Just, I mean, just to put that into perspective, that this went 17 times platinum, the next album that we're going to... I'm getting a bit ahead of myself here, but the next album I'm going to get to also went 17 times platinum Ooh. and was released an incredible almost 45 years later. And it is a renowned... Well, of course, it's the, the next one is the number three best-selling album in the UK. So it's just, it just shows how 
how huge Adele is. And I think it's because she appeals to my grandma's got her album in the car, my mum likes her, my sister likes her. And for our selection from this album, it could only have been one track. Yes. Rolling with Adele doesn't often do upbeat tracks, does she? But that is an amazing upbeat song. Do you know how she describes this track? No. She's, she called it a dark, bluesy, gospel disco tune. I could not have put it be- any better myself. I was going to mention how uh, it had a hint of gospel. So that's my knee clicking. <laughs> had a hint of gospel in there. But it certainly feels like you could put that on a party and everyone would just let themselves go. Is it your favourite Adele song? That's a good question. It would certainly be up there. Yeah. What about you? It would certainly be up there. What else would be up there? I forget the name of the song at the moment, but there's one on the most recent album. I say most recent. It was a while ago now. That, again, is a little bit more upbeat. A rare one is a bit more upbeat. Uh, send, send my, my love, love to, to, your your new, to your new love. Your new lover. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't such a fan. That was Max Martin. Oh, you can tell. Hitmaker. Yes. So we're on to number three in our countdown. And welcome... To the countdown of the Beatles. Beatles. Can you believe this is the first time on this celebration of pop music podcast that we host that we're talking about the Beatles? Uh, and Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which was their eighth album released in 1967, spending 27 weeks at number one on the UK album charts and 15 weeks at number one in the US. Wow. And as I said, it's the it's gone the same amount of times platinum than Adele 21, which just blows my mind, actually, because... This album and this cover uh, and some of the tracks that came from this album, they're just synonymous with the Beatles, aren't they? Absolutely. And I think I know nearly all the tracks on this album. Yeah. And I've never been into the Beatles. That's, yeah. Such is the impact they've had on just culture. And probably why the film yesterday, recently released, uh, the Richard Curtis, Danny Boyle film, was all about what if the Beatles hadn't existed because surely no one on this planet who is fan of, who is a fan of music can imagine life without the Beatles because they played such an important part in so many well in popular music culture and again we could have chosen with a little help from my friends we could have chosen when I'm 64 I actually really love A Day in the Life from this one uh, but the one we've gone for uh, yes, again in this countdown, it's the title track. Yes, it had to be Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. So I've got two memories of this song, which aren't the Beatles singing it. So one is, I'm going back to Live 80, and I didn't actually plan to talk about Live 8 so much on this episode. Right at the beginning, you 2 opened the show, and they had, no, forgive me, I think 
I'm getting my facts wrong. So either Paul McCartney or the, or you two opened the show. But at one point together, they sang this song, which was fantastic. But also when Take That and Robbie Williams did their progress tour back together, they each did a solo or a, Take That did a bit of, as a four piece. Robbie did a bit on his own. And he introduced his bit with a kind of um, a tip of the hat to this song. So, well, having said what an important part the Beatles play in pop music culture, uh, are there any other songs or albums that you would clash yourself as a fan of? I love uh, Hard Day's Night. That's a great song. Uh, and She Loves You. Does she? Who? Cynthia? Uh, yeah, well, I just wanted to let you know, just oh, quietly. That's lovely. I'm not a huge Beatles fan, truth be told, but I think there are certain tracks that are just universal. Yes. So we are nearly there. So we're at number two now. Who is just off the mark? So it's, and I know you're a fan of these and I'm a fan of these, uh, it's ABBA with Gold Greatest Hits. And every song on here is brilliant, um, isn't it? It really is. It's. I remember my grandma getting this on cassette and actually borrowing it from her for a while because I just needed to hear these songs all the time. Well, and it would need to be because it's the original Greatest Hits. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this was released in 1992. Uh, what I love about the journey of this album is that over time, it's just come back into the charts. So when Mamma Mia came out, it was we went back to the top of the charts. Um, when Madonna released Hung Up, it went back into the charts. Um, it's just kind of always been had a presence. And actually, I don't know this is a fact, but I would imagine that of all the tracks we've talked, all the albums that we've talked about in this top ten, this is the one that's had more sort of times at the top and then gone out and then come back come again again. Uh, 18 times platinum, 5.4 million copies sold in the UK. Just insane. And 6 million in the States. Yeah, just huge around the world. And of course, you know, as I said before, Mamma Mia keeps their memory alive. And then Mamma Mia, here we go again, did it again. And now we've got Mamma Mia the party coming to London, which has been going for a few years in Sweden. I've been to it. It is honestly one of the best nights out you will have of your life. You just need a small bank loan to pay for a ticket. It is not cheap. Uh, Dan, how do we? where do we start choosing a song from here? Well, their side one, track one, is a great place to start. And it is also probably their most known hit. So should we go for Dancing Queen? And when you get the chance, you are the dancing queen. Young and sweet, only 17. Dancing Queen, feel the beat from the tambourine. So we spoke a few times about my brother's wedding playlist. And this, of course, was definitely on there. You had everybody moving. Oh, yeah. Everyone, yeah. My cousin, who's uh, 20, she was getting into it. Her mum, my auntie, was getting into it. Um, yeah, the room came to life. And I just, I have to say, uh, the artwork for the Scandinavian release of the single is amazing if you're a fan of a lovely hat. I'm I won't go say anything more. I think just go away and have a look at that. Have a little Google for yourselves. But um, if we hadn't have chosen that song, can you even 
begin to choose a favourite ABBA song? Is it even is that possible? Because the track they sing is Knowing Me, Knowing You, Take a Chance on Me, Mamma Mia, Lay O Love on Me, Super Trooper, I Have a Dream, The Winner Takes It All, Money, 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 SOS, and that's only the first half. Yeah. Bloody hell. That is ridiculous. The quality of that album is just mind-blowing. Bonkers. So this is it. The moment has come. What is the number one selling album in the UK of all time? Well, I can reveal that it is another Greatest Hits, and it is the second entry for this band. So this is Queen's Greatest Hits. And it is, like the other album, every song, almost, is amazing. You could probably, most people, I think, could sing the vast majority or hum to the vast majority of these songs this one went has gone so far 21 times platinum with over 6 million sales uh, in the UK of course this is all in the UK and this was released in October 1981 four weeks at number one on the album chart um, and like like ABBA I think it's been up and down to the top spot of the album chart many many times over the subsequent 38 years yeah so in the uh, run-up to this episode, obviously we do our research because we're good like that. What I loved about this album is that there are so many different versions of the track listing because they had some songs which were huge hits in the UK and then some different songs which were in Asia and in America. So um, yeah, various versions, of course, but some of them will have like the all-time hits on there. Like, of course, well, are we going to play it now? Let's have a listen to Bohemian Rhapsody. Well, there we are. I mean, is that not one of the most iconic uh, pop songs ever? It is. And what I love about the fact that it is, is that it is not by any means just on the pop song, is it? Six minutes long, made up of three different parts, um, completely strange and operatic and avant-garde style. Uh, it's fantastic. Now, uh, that's the 10, but I've also gone through the top 60 with a track by track lens on to see okay. where some of some of our some of our favorites are so spice girls spice dan can you guess where that is it's in the top 60 um is it in the top 40 no oh i don't know uh number 29 so it is in the top 40 <laughs> oh <yes. laughs> Uh, so that's it is in the top 40 um, we won't go guessing any further but Scissor Sisters by Scissor Sisters that's in that's in the top 60 hilarious episode we had uh, way back when is at number 38 that is bonkers isn't it because um, that's ahead of things like R.E.M. Robbie Williams uh, Mike Oldfield U2 that's insane Mike Oldfield's Church Bells yeah uh, Tubular <laughs> Uh, also, one more for you. Uh, the Fame by Lady Gaga is at number 30. See, even that blows my mind because I remember that album being huge, but one of the top 30 albums sold in the UK of all time, that's, in- that's incredible. 
One for you, Dan. Uh, Progress by Take That is at number 57. Good. And Never Forget the Ultimate Collection is at number 59. Good. So, that brings us to the end of our special edition celebrating 50 years of the official charts company. Please, we would absolutely love to hear your memories of the official charts company. So do let us know at Move to Trash UK, hashtag Trek by Trek. Uh, and Dan, I think we already did it, but a little reminder of a hint of a tease for the next episode. Yes, so we've got one coming up on Tuesday, as usual. Sadly, not included in this uh, list of best albums ever, but still actually, probably, I put my money on it being one of the best-selling Spice Girls sold albums. To say anything more, we'll be to give it away. So, until Tuesday... I've been Mark Goodyear. And I've been... Scott Mills. Not Dr. Fox? No. Goodbye! (laughs) 